You may be seated. Welcome to everyone. Well, I, I'm hoping, you know like on an airplane, if you get too many people on one side, the pilot starts moving people over. I'm hoping we don't have to do this this morning, and I hope that we won't careen into the side of a mountain or anything like that. I think I, I'm just seeing if you guys are awake. Not yet, apparently. Welcome. Hey, there we go. <laughs> nice. Welcome, everyone. And um, there are some flu sicknesses going around and different things. So I'm Facebook living the service today for some of the people that aren't able to make it here. So if you have a friend who's not here, say, hey, go on Facebook, and you can uh, participate in the service. Uh, we'll try to do that through flu season at least. But uh, we welcome you. Uh, if you're new here, I welcome you particularly. My name is Dan. I'm the English congregation pastor here at OCBC. Uh, glad, glad to have you. And I will kind of just kick right into things. Uh, I'm very excited. I've been very challenged personally by the series that we're doing. Man, I should have taught on prayer about 10 years ago. Probably needed to. And, uh, but it's, it, I, I found refreshed. Uh, we're going through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is a, a prayer that uh, through history, people have prayed. It's very familiar. Uh, you guys know it in your head right now. You can pray it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses or debts as we forgive those who trespass or against us or we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. The disciples went up to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's how he taught us to pray. And we are taking a few months and, and very carefully going to be looking at each, each phrase. I don't normally preach like this. I normally preach like full chapters or paragraphs at least, because that's where I believe you get the flow of the argument. But it's been good to kind of take this very slowly. So last week we looked at our Father in Heaven, the, the preface to the Lord's Prayer. We talked about three things. Even though a lot of prayer is basically getting alone with God, maybe in a closet or in your bedroom or, or, or somewhere, you never pray alone. That was our first thing. We talked about prayer being communal. You're always going to the throne of God, not as an individual but by praying with and for others. So we talked about prayers being communal. Our, the our in our Father is important. We talked about prayer being relational, that God has revealed himself to be, to be a father to us. And we talked about he's a father to every human being by virtue of being created in the image of God, but that we estranged ourselves, we, we rebelled against our creator, and thus we, we, uh, we, we severed that relationship between uh, our creator God and ourselves, and how, how God sent Jesus Christ to, to, to come into this world to be the mediator, the perfect mediator between God and us, that we might, again, for those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, that we can come once again in relationship to our Heavenly Father through Jesus. And we talked last week about prayer being effectual, that because it, he is our Father in heaven, he has he has all majesty and honor and glory and position to do anything. He, he is the, the, the majestic preeminent one. And that's why it's, it means something when we pray to him. Uh, but today, before we look at that second or that first petition, um, hallowed be thy name, <clears throat> I want to start before we get to that. Uh, as I talk to some of you, uh, you've, already, you've already started to talk to me about, well, I struggle with prayer because dot, dot, dot. And um, so already I've heard from you guys two barriers that, that some of you guys have identified barriers to personal 
prayer, barriers to growing in prayer. And I think, I mean, I've heard more than two, but I think two of them this morning, particularly this first petition, address. So the first barrier that some of you guys have shared with me is I, I struggle in prayer, I struggle to consistently pray. One barrier is, um, <clears throat> you might say, and I know I, I, I see this in my life, it's really easy to come to God when I'm desperate. Right? It's really easy to come to God when I'm going through a really difficult trial. When I, when I realize there's nothing I can do but pray. Like those are the times where I... Uh, and more consistent in my prayer life. And so some of you guys, I mean, to be honest, we live in Canada. We are very privileged to live in a Canada where we have enough to eat most of the time. Um, we have freedom most of the time. We, uh, we have relative safety most of the time. <coughs> Sorry. And so uh, some of us in the day-to-day, -day, we find it hard to pray because we, we don't really see that we have a need. We're not desperate. And it's hard. You know, when you, if you are going through a hard time, you pray. But it's hard when you live in relative safety and prosperity. Well, that's one thing. And I think um, hallowed be your name will speak to you. Another thing I think, hallowed, second barrier to prayer is that, and, and so, and one, one of you guys said this to me this week, is I don't know, you know that we're to pray. Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my will, ask and it shall be given. And some people really get hung up on that to say, well, I don't know how to pray for things that are in accordance with God's will. And, and so that, that frustrates some of you. You, you. you hang up there. You say, I don't, I don't know how to pray in accordance to God's will, so I'm just going to stop, and, and I don't know what to pray. So, so, so you don't, you, you, it's a barrier to being consistent in prayer. And some of us get so frustrated by that question that we give up. And as I said, I think this first petition... Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I think this first petition actually explosively tears down some of those barriers to prayer. I hope we'll see that kind of as we go through today. That's, that's my hope. And Lord, I would pray that even as we pray together, hallowed be your name, that you teach us to pray. In your name we pray. Amen. So hallowed be thy name. Nathan, here we go. I'm going to fake use this clicker. Click. It works. Hallowed be your name. Uh, what does it mean? First, hallowed be thy name, what does it mean? I'm trying to break these things down very simply. Hallowed is not a word that we use often. In fact, sometimes you only hear it in two places. You hear it when you go to church and people pray, hallowed be your name. And then the only other place I could think of very readily to my mind of where you hear this word hallowed is Halloween. Right? The first part of Halloween. And you're like, that's the last thing I think of when I think of the Lord's Prayer and Halloween. They're very incongruous. But the word actually originally meant All Hallows' Eve, right? Sometimes you hear it spoken that way. Or All Saints' Day. It's saints, Saints, Sanctify, Hallow. It's connected. The word means, uh, well, here's the clicker. The word means to be honored as holy. It's like when God spoke, if you remember in the Old Testament, there's a story when uh, Moses was in the wilderness, a guy by the name of Moses was in the wilderness, and God spoke to him through a, a bush that was burning up, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses drew near to see, well, what's going on with that? Usually when things burn, they, they burn for a while and go out, or they spread to other things. This is just burning. So Moses draws near, and we find that it's not a fire. It's actually the, the, the presence, the glory of God. And God speaks to him and says, Moses, take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is 
holy ground or hallowed ground. It's this idea that this place, because it's in the presence of God, and, and, and as a matter of fact, this place, because God is here, is holy. It's to be set off or marked off or honored as holy. So that's what we mean when we say, hallowed be your name. We're saying something about you, God, is, is to be marked off as holy. When I um, was in Bible college, I read this book called Boundaries. It was a business book, and maybe some of you guys have read it. This guy, I think his name was Townsend, and he wrote a book for a lot of different areas of life called Boundaries. And it was the, about that in your life, there are some things that you have to hold sacred. It was a secular book, but he used kind of some of that language. He said, there are some things that you need to hold sacred. We read it as, as Bible college students to talk about how ministry should not be uh, our, our idol, and that in order to, to preserve and have a long and lasting and fruitful ministry, sometimes we need to set boundaries so that all of our time and all of our resources and all of our energy are not taken from us. Set boundaries around our prayer life, set boundaries around our personal life, set boundaries around our family life. He then went on and wrote boundaries for business and boundaries for family. He, wrote, he, he basically made an industry of writing these books about boundaries. But that's the idea. The idea is that the, we are bounded. When we hallow something, we are setting a bound around God's holiness, God's uniqueness. So, so that's the first thing. To be honored as holy, uh, hallowed means to be honored as holy or to set a boundary around God's holiness. Hallowed be what? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And so secondly, when we speak of God's name, we're speaking not just of the letters on a piece of paper, whatever word at that time we're thinking of in relation to God's name, uh, Yahweh or Jehovah or uh, El Shaddai or Elohim or the other names we might, or, or Jesus. It's not, it's not those words themselves that we're saying, hallowed be those letters on a piece of paper. When we say hallowed be your name, we're talking about God in his person, in his character, and in his reputation. So we're speaking of God's character reputation. So just very simply, to paraphrase this petition, as you go home and you pray, as, we, as I hope you're doing every day, I hope every day at least once you're, you're praying the Lord's Prayer, not just as rote repetition, but as thinking of what, what each of the words mean. You go home, you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May, may your reputation, may your character be honored and set apart as Holy. That's, that's what it means to pray. And I, I, I mentioned this last week, but, but this is really important as we think about God, teach us how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. I said last week, so many of the spiritual discipline books and so many of particularly kind of our new age, modern new age approach to God in prayer is so self-directed and self Centered, And so last week I talked about, it's really interesting, the first word of this prayer is our. It diminishes this individualism in me. But here this first petition is also set to diminish my desires and my hopes, but in fact to set as our very first approach, our very first agenda as we come to God in prayer is God may your character and may your reputation be marked and honored as holy. That, 
that true prayer actually takes the focus off. Now listen, as you come to God in prayer, it might be because you come to God desperate, because you come to God with a need, because you come to God in a trial. But it's so amazing that when you come to God, the first thing that Jesus teaches, even if you come in desperation or even if you come through a trial, you come before God, you say, Our Father, it's not just me who's here. I'm praying with all the saints, with Christ himself who intercedes, our Father in heaven. And again, although I come out of desperation, out of my trouble, hallowed be your name, God. May your character and your reputation be lifted up and set apart as honored. Man, you can't get further from our modern age understanding of spirituality. It's to actually come to God in prayer, number one, with his glory, his honor, his character, his reputation in mind. There's a church father by the name of uh, Chrysostom, John Chrysostom, and he writes on his a commentary on this prayer, He says, worthy of him, oh sorry, this is bold, this should be bolded, it's not. Worthy of him who calls God Father is the prayer to ask nothing before the glory of his Father, but to account all things secondary to the work of praising him. This is a way to start off a prayer. Man, you get get alone each day with God and your your first concern is God and his glory and his name and his character and his reputation. Uh, so, so that's just unpacking a little bit. And we only got four words again this week, so there's not much I can unpack. Hallowed be your name. May, may your name, your character, your reputation be honored solely. But I do want to dig a little bit deeper and to see what this first petition is about. And again, I, I'm going to try to break this as easy down. This, this prayer, this petition is about two things. Um... It's about enlightenment, and it's about demonstration. It's about enlightenment and demonstration. Enlightenment, what what I'm saying enlightenment is that we see God, and we see him, and we receive him, and we worship him for who he is. And demonstration being that we, as the people of God, would reflect something of God and who he is and his character and his reputation. Okay? That's just two very simple points. Enlightenment and demonstration. Uh, Enlightenment. What do I mean by enlightenment? To pray, hallowed be your name. When you come and you're praying, hallowed be your name, you're not praying that God would somehow change his character. Right? It's, it's interesting that if the grammatic, I don't know, we've got some linguists in here. Grammatically, it's a prayer that God's name would be honored as holy. But we're not asking God to become more honorable. That's, that's not what this prayer is about. It's not that we're asking God that he might become more in his character and his reputation, that he might become more honorable as holy. That's, that's not at all what it is about. But it's that we... As his children, coming our Father in heaven, as his children, would recognize that we would embrace and that we would worship God in his perfections and in his holiness and in his character and in his reputation. Um, 
The Westminster Confession helpfully articulates it. It, it says it this way. He says, we, uh, it was written, we pray that God would by his grace enable and incline us and others to know, to acknowledge, and to highly esteem him. To highly esteem him, his titles, his attributes, his ordinances, his word, his works, and whatsoever he is pleased to make himself known by. Right? That, that's what we're praying. We're praying, hallowed be your name, that, that, that God would, by his grace, enable and incline us and others to know, to acknowledge, and to highly esteem him. This is like the prayer of Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1 for enlightenment. He says, I do not cease, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, There we go. Paul writes, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. In fact, he goes on to say the same power that was at work in Jesus when he raised him from the dead. And so the Apostle Paul is praying this idea of hallowed be your name, but he prays it in this way, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened to see the glory of the greatness of the gospel of God, that he might know his grace toward us who believe and the inheritance that we have in the saints. So, so when we pray... Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are actually praying that we might be enabled to see, to receive, and to, to, to worship this God and his perfections, all of his works, all that he has done, his word, his ordinances, his will, all that he's revealed, that we might see him, that we might receive him, and that we might worship him. We, we have to pray that we are enabled to and in, uh, enabled and inclined to receive this because we can't. We can't do this by ourselves. I mean, some of you guys know, you, you can't just, just say, okay, God, I want to see you. It, it doesn't happen unless it is the Spirit opening up our hearts to receive the things of God. The, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Some of you guys have this experience before you were a Christian, you had, you had friends kind of sharing with you the faith, and you just did not, for the life of you, understand it at all. You said, I don't, I don't get it. I remember I was there. My friends would share the gospel with me. They would share the good news of what God had done with me, for me in Jesus Christ. And I would just be like, I, I, just don't, I just don't get it. I don't get what it means that I need a Savior. I don't get what it means to say that my sin has, uh, has been rebellion against my Creator. I don't, I don't get what it means, what I really didn't understand. I didn't get what it means that I needed a Savior and that God sent a Savior and that because of something that Jesus had done, I could be saved and I could be forgiven and I could be made new. I heard the words, I understood every one of those words, but I could not for the life of me understand it. And I, I remember one night, uh, you guys have heard this story millions of times, but I'd love to share it again. I was driving around the road with my friend who'd shared that with me. He's the same guy that said to me, Dan, have, has anybody ever taken a Bible and just shown you 
what God has done so that you might know him, that you might be forgiven, and that you might live together with him. He had shared with that, that, that with me hundreds of times. I'd been friends with him for three years. And one night, I, I'm ashamed to say it, but we were listening to country music on the radio. And, uh, and there's a song that came on called Jesus and Mama Always Loved Me. What an amazing country song. Jesus and Mama Always Loved Me. And my friend just said, where are you at with Jesus? He'd shared this with me hundreds of times. But that night he said, where are you at with Jesus? He said nothing new. He made no new argument. He made no new appeal that I had not heard from him before. But that night, and I don't know why it was that night, my heart understood not only that I was a sinner, but that I was a man in need of a savior. And it, it, and it sounds like a country song because it was raining and we, we, we got to his driveway. We literally pulled out of his car, got down on our knees in the pouring rain and we prayed that I might know Christ, that I might be forgiven by God. And my life's changed since then. That was, that was the start. If you're not here, if you're, I mean, if you're here today and you, you, you're just trying to figure this thing out, let me tell you, there's a God who created you. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who's made all provision for you to know him. There's a God who has sent his son into this world to pay the price of our rebellion against him. And in doing so, he's opened up a new and living way for you to boldly approach the throne of grace as you turn from your life and you come to him by faith, receiving what he's done. I know there's a lot of words there. For those of you who have understood the gospel, who've understood who Jesus is and what he's done, when I said those words, you're like, yeah, exactly, amen. There might be some of you guys who are still like, I just still don't get it. And I would pray that God's name would be honored. Hallowed be his name as you, the eyes of your hearts are enlightened that you might see him. To pray, hallowed be thy name, is to participate in the life of faith and in the church. So going back to that Westminster Confession, remember it said, um, I like these words that it uses. It says that we pray that God would by his grace enable and incline us and others to know, to acknowledge, and to highly esteem him. And I like how that says it. Let's unpack that a little bit. And, and how, does this, how, does, how does this work out in the life of us who are praying this prayer? We pray, hallowed be thy name, that, that we and others might know God, right? And so, so this is a prayer to know means, we can think of this in the sense of missions and evangelism. You can zoom in there, Nathan. The next one. To know missions and evangelism so that the church may, we might transmit to others outside of the church the character of God, that we would be the pillar and the support of the truth of who God is as he's revealed himself and what God has done in sending Jesus, and that when we pray, when you pray in your closet, hallowed be your name, it's not just praying that yourself, that you yourself might see God's honor and his character and his reputation, but that the world may know. The, to pray, hallowed be thy name, is a missionary prayer. Uh, John Piper preached a famous sermon. He's a pastor in Minneapolis. He preached a famous sermon in which he wrote, 
Missions exist because worship doesn't. Right? Because there are places in the world, and there's places in the city, and there's places in your family that worship of this holy God does not exist. When you pray, hallowed be your name with, to our Father in heaven, one of the ways this is is a missionary prayer. We pray, God, that they might know you. And we pray that you'd raise up workers for the harvest. We pray that people and we and us ourselves would go and make you known by, by sharing and proclaiming who you are and what you've done so that we might know you, that we might acknowledge you, that we and others might acknowledge you. So this is a prayer. This is a prayer for conversion. It's a prayer that the proclamation of the gospel that goes out would be effectual. That, that people's hearts would change, that people would see and receive. As, as we talked about last week, John chapter 1, to as many as received him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we are praying, hallowed be your name, in the context of the life of the church. We are praying, Lord Jesus, would you save people? Would you open up their hearts that they might acknowledge you, that they might receive you? Would you, would you convert their souls? Would you, would you give them new life? And then would you bring them in through baptism into the church, into the life of faith? And so we're praying that not only that people would, would hear and know about the gospel, but that they'd be converted to the gospel. And then thirdly, that we might esteem, and this is all about worship. It's about worship in spirit of truth. It's about not only know what God has done for us in Christ, that we not only acknowledge, yes, I agree what God has done with us in, for us in Christ, but it's that we might, we might pray, hallowed be your name. Lord, send your fire upon us that we might, we might be filled with the spirit of truth to worship you, to love you for who you are and for how you've revealed yourself to us. Man, that's a prayer that we can be praying together as a church. Lord, would your name be honored among us? Would we live and passionately live for your name? Open up the eyes of our heart that we might see you, know you, acknowledge you, and esteem you. That's the first thing it means, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name is about the enlightenment of the heart to see God. The second thing, hallowed be thy name is about God's demonstration of who he is through his people. The demonstration of God's character, reputation, through the people who bear his name. Right? What, what do we call ourselves? Christians. Through the people that bear his name, God's character, his reputation might be demonstrated through us. That's how we pray. Hallowed be your name. Man, again, uh, Luther's catechism. So, so all these things are in that booklet I gave you. Uh, Richard, you're back there, and Edison, you're back there. I, I gave you guys a booklet. If you're newer here or visiting, you can get one after the service, or you can kind of raise your hand, and they'll grab one for you. But a, a booklet I gave you has a place to have sermon notes each week, but also has a small booklet called Luther's uh, A Simple Way to Pray, where he takes us through the Lord's Prayer. I've also added into that sections on the Lord's Prayer, from uh, Luther's smaller catechism and through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Not because those things are scripture, not at all, but because they're helpful articulations, helpful guides in how we can pray. And so Luther, in his smaller catechism, he teaches this, and I think it's a good way to capture this idea of demonstration. He writes, uh, click, there we go, God's name is kept holy 
When the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. So he, he starts in his catechism. He starts praying in his catechism. Right? This is cool. He's, he's like writing. This is what it means. And then he starts praying. And he says, help us, Lord, to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. And then he prays again, protect us from this heavenly Father. I love that. Because I've tried to write catechisms before, and, and sometimes you can write it and you just want to be theologically articulate, and he's writing his, and he just starts praying. Isn't that cool? Help us to do this, God. That's cool. Anyway, the Westminster Confession writes it like this. It says that to pray this first petition is to pray that God would, by his grace, enable and incline us and others to glorify him in thought, word, and deed. This is what Jesus taught already in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, I gave you a little bit more of the context. This teaching on prayer is located in Jesus' famous, most famous sermon he taught. We call it as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, in that sermon, about a chapter before this, he teaches that God is glorified and seen to be holy through the works of his people. He writes in Matthew 5, or he doesn't write, he speaks, and Matthew records it. In chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. That they might see God's glory reflected, demonstrated, in the lives of his people. Isn't this even what sometimes the world prays for? I mean, they don't pray for it in the sense that they're going before God saying, God, I wish your believers would look more like Jesus. But at times, don't you hear that criticism from people outside of the church? I wish your followers would act more like Jesus. Isn't that part of our prayer as Christians? That, that we might not only see the God's glory revealed in us, that our hearts might not be enlightened, but that we might be a demonstration of the glory of God. So this is where I said at the beginning that, that while hallowed be your name sets God's agenda first in prayer, it's not only about God alone, it's not only about his glory, it's about his glory being reflected and being demonstrated through the one who's praying, through us as we pray. God, hallowed be your name. Uh, Piper, again, is helpful here. He leads us through uh, four other places in the Old Testament predominantly where this idea of setting apart God, setting apart, um, glorifying, hallowing is connected to God, but each one of these places in the Old Testament are through the reflection and demonstration through us as his people or through the people of God, Israel, in the Old Testament. So, for example, he, he explains what this means, or we, we can see an explanation of what it means that God would be glorified and honored in us through these other four passages. I want to turn quickly to them. The first passage is in the book of Numbers. Oh, Old Testament. I know you can cheat and look up at the screen. It's not cheating. Go right ahead. But uh, the book of Numbers. There we go. Fourth book of the Bible. 
Look at Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. Teaches what it means to, that God might be honored, that his name might be honored, and it sets it in, uh, in, in, in uh, synchronization. I don't know what a word is. It, it sets it together with this idea that to honor God's name is to believe in him. To honor God's name is to believe in him. So he says in uh, Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me. See, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy. There's that phrase. Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you should not bring this assembly into the land that you've given them. So here you see that to uphold God as holy, it's synonymous with to believe in me. The context is that Moses had been leading the children of Israel uh, through the wilderness. At the beginning of that journey, God told him to take his staff, hit the rock, water would come from it, and the people of Israel could drink. Now it's 40 years later, and the people are on the verge of, of dehydration. They're on the verge of, of dying of thirst, literally. And so what Moses does here, instead of waiting on the word and the work of the Lord and trusting that God would make provision, in fact, God just said, speak to the rock, instead of Instead of obediently and receiving and believing in the word of the Lord, what Moses does is he takes up his stick again and, and he takes matters into it, literally his own hands and he strikes the rock and God says, you did not believe in me. You did not honor me as holy. You did not receive my word as your salvation, but you attempted to take salvation into your own hands. The New Testament teaches us that that rock was a picture of Christ. Christ was beaten and bruised once for our salvation. But Christ was here as life-giving water. That, that is not by us taking the staff in our own hands and beating him, but receiving from the word of the Lord, receiving Christ's work on our behalf as our salvation. And so... Part of what it means for God's name to be honored in us is just as I spoke about before, receiving him, honoring him, believing him for his work and his salvation. We set apart God as holy as we trust the good news that he sent his salvation into the world. That's one way. That's not the only way as Christians we now are able to reflect and demonstrate the glory of God in our lives and what we should be praying for. A second passage is that we reflect, we magnify, we honor God as holy through our, not only through our faith, but through our fear. You're like, what? Through our fear. There's an amazing passage in Scripture, Isaiah chapter 8, starting verse 12, it says, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Here's that phrase again. Him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Here's what was going on. To honor God as holy here means that we, we fear him and we revere him even in the midst of our fears and trials that we face through the circumstances of our life. Here's, here's what's going on there. Uh, this is about, uh, Isaiah's ministering about 600 years before Jesus. Uh, there was a nation, Syria, that was coming down. It was about to destroy the nation of, of, of Judah. In fact, they were camped. They were camped on the plains outside of the city of Jerusalem. 
The people within the city are seeing the most powerful army of the world at that time camped on their front lawn. And what they were doing was they were besieging, they were besieging the city so that the people would die of starvation or surrender or go out to fight and be killed. That's what's happening. And so the people in the city are freaking out. They are going, ah, we are going to die or we are going to starve. The account of the city at that time was harrowing. And the king, King Hezekiah, was contemplating, will he fear man like the people in the city are fearing the Assyrians? And so he's, he, will he join them in their fear? And so what he was contemplating doing was going down and making, sending message to the Pharaoh of Egypt and making a peace treaty with Egypt so Egypt would come to Judah's defense. He was scrambling because he was so afraid of the circumstance that was facing him. And God had told Israel, you never go back to Egypt. You never go and make peace with them who had once enslaved you. I brought you out of there. But because of the circumstances that they were facing, they were freaking out, they were living in fear, and they were tempted to go back to the land who had enslaved them. And God sends Isaiah to Hezekiah. And he says to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, do not fear what everyone else is freaking out about. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread what they dread. Set apart God as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Respect and revere him. And so when you're in your closet praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, you might be facing some things in your life that are freaking you out. And part of praying, hallowed be your name, is praying, God, I will not let the things that are freaking everybody else out, I'm not going to let them freak me out, because you are my fear, God, not that. I do not fear man. I fear, I respect, and I revere you. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what it is that is freaking you out. But it's impossible to, to both be frightened and be praying, hallowed be your name, simultaneously. The more you're fearing, the more you're praying, hallowed be your name. Set apart Christ as Lord. Third, we sanctify, we, 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 we honor God as holy in our lives through our obedience. Leviticus 23.31 says, So you shall keep my commandments and do them, I am the Lord. And you have not profane my holy name, that I might be sanctified. Again, that's the same type of word uh, cluster, that I might be sanctified among the peoples of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And so when you're praying, hallowed be thy name, that you might be honored within us, that we might honor you through our obedience to your commands by keeping what you have said. Let me suggest to you, I don't know where I read this, but it's an idea that popped into my mind, and I know it's not from me, but I probably read it from somebody else. But let me suggest to you that the Lord's Prayer, I said it a couple weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer is the positive embodiment of faith that reflects the Ten Commandments. That, so what is, what is revealed in negatively, in the, or what's revealed through commandment in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt, right? 
those commandments. It's, it's really the same things being revealed through the Lord's Prayer, but through the, the positive uh, embodiment of faith asking God might, might be doing this in our midst. And I don't know, I know I didn't say that very correctly, but I, I kind of worked this through a couple weeks ago. Let me explain a little bit more. Um, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one. What did we pray last week? What did we learn how to pray last week? Our Father in heaven. Our Father preeminent. Our Father majestic. Our Father who is over all. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, God, I pray. God, may you be majestic. May you be preeminent. May I see you as over all. Commandment number two. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. What is an idol? An idol is when we bow down and worship our creation of what we want God to be or what we hope God to be rather than what God has revealed himself. And so God has revealed himself in the Lord's Prayer. How does God reveal himself to us? God is our Father in heaven. We do not make for ourselves an idol by praying to our tyrant in heaven. We do not make ourselves an idol by praying to our vending machine in heaven. We do not make ourselves an idol by praying for our, I don't know, what other, there's a, there's a book that I loved, I read it in university called Your God is Too Small, and it went through, I think there's like 20 or 30 different metaphors, false metaphors that we would use for God. So, so, so we don't make for ourselves an idol by praying, God, our Father, and last week we went through what all that meant in the Sermon on the Mount, how God has revealed himself to be an attentive Father, and a compassionate Father, and a forgiving Father, and a providing Father. Commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And so this is, this is how we pray. Commandment number three, Lord, may your name be honored among us. May we honor you, not as the hypocrites do, but may we honor you in thought, word, and deed. Now, listen, can any of us do that? Can any of us keep those commandments of God? No. But we are given, Christian, you are given grace of the Holy Spirit. You are given the grace of the Holy Spirit to actually obey now and live the life of the Spirit, the life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. But how do we do this? We do this through the means which God has given us, the church, to do so. One of which being prayer. Lord, hallowed be your name. So when, when you're facing temptation, when you're facing temptation, here's a good prayer. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I'm facing temptation. How can I both give in to this temptation and honor you and reflect and demonstrate your holiness through my life? Lord, in my life right now, in this temptation, hallowed be your name. When you're facing a trial, and you're ready to give up. You're ready to doubt. You're ready to just chuck it all. And you say, God, I'm tempted to give up. I'm tempted to chuck it all. I'm tempted to, to just give up my friendships, give up my faith, give up my church. But I have to pray now, hallowed be your name. How can I do that? How can I pray, hallowed be your name? Well, I'm ready to give up. And, and, and in praying, hallowed be my name, it leads me back to you. Commandment number four. 
How can I pray, hallowed be thy name, if I'm grieving the loss of my friend, or I'm grieving the loss of my baby, or I'm grieving the loss of a loved one? And I say, God, why did you take them from me? But I pray at the same time, God, hallowed be thy name. I don't know how to do this. But every day I'm going to go back to you, and every day my prayer is going to be the same, and every day my prayer is going to be, may your name and your character, your reputation be honored among us. We'll get to thy will be done in a few weeks. But man, we don't even need to get to thy will be done. If we're praying, hallowed be thy name, we're praying thy will be done. Obedience. We don't pray the Lord's Prayer. Listen, if you're saying, man, I still suck at praying. You might, I do. We don't pray the Lord's Prayer because we're good at the Christian faith. We pray because we're bad at it. We pray because we are weak. We pray because we are frail. We pray because we cannot do this apart from God's grace, working, enabling our lives. And we pray, we, we honor, the last way we, we honor God's name as we pray the Lord's Prayer is through our worship. Through our worship. Leviticus 10, uh, 3. Click. There we go. Leviticus 10.3, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. This is the verse, it brings us back to worship. A lot of this whole sermon's been about worship because hallowed be thy name is about worship. And so this verse brings us back. What was happening here is the sons of Aaron had worshipped God in a way that everybody thought looked good and spiritual and religious, but they offered up what, what was referred to in the Bible, a strange fire before the Lord. They did not worship God according to the truth, according to how God had revealed that he might, must be. And so what God says to Moses to say to Aaron is, among those who draw near to me, among those who lead the people in worship, among those who, who come into my presence, in the New Testament, we recognize the Lord has opened up, God, Jesus has opened up for us a new, all of us, a new and living way to follow him in, to worship. And among those who draw near to me, I will be sanctified. I will be hallowed. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. So we worship in a way that brings honor to all he is, all he has revealed himself to be, all his character, all his reputation, all his purpose. Hallowed be thy name is a worshipful prayer that we might be worshipers, the spirit, those that the Father is seeking, those that would worship God in spirit and in truth. So, so going back, how does, this, how does this lead us to break down those barriers I was talking about? Well, the, the first barrier, remember I said, it's easy, sometimes it's easier to come to God when there's trial and difficulty, but it's hard when everything's going well. When you're praying the Lord's Prayer like this and you're praying, you're getting together with God every day and you just start by praising Him and you just start by worshiping Him and you just start by saying, God, hallowed be your name. You can pray, hallowed be your name. You don't have to be facing a crisis in your family. You don't have to be facing a divorce or you don't have to be facing conflict. You can still pray, God, would you be honored in my family today? You don't need to be facing a crisis in your church. You can be praying, God, be honored in my church. You don't have to be facing a crisis with your friend. You can be saying, Lord, be hallowed. Hallowed be your name in my friend's life. You just start praying that way. It's just start being positive prayer of, of just saying, God, I want to see you lifted high and exalted. 
That's, that's the one thing. And he, you start getting like excited for it, I hope. I mean, I'm still kind of exploring this myself. My hope is that you just get excited about this. It becomes a habit of just, God, may you be honored. May you be honored today. I don't need to come to you because there's a crisis. I just want to see you lifted up. Secondly, I said sometimes it's a barrier to prayer because we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what is God's will in a certain situation. I'll tell you what God's will is. God's will is that he'd be honored in the situation you're facing. That's one thing you can pray no matter what. God, I am facing this, this terrible, terrible thing. May you be honored in it. That's a start. I mean, if that's the start of your prayer, then freely, freely, freely bring your hopes, your desires, and your petitions to him. I mean, that's the cool thing about God. He says, you know, if you, if you come, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name, can I have a piece of bread? God's not going to give you the stone. I'm not, I'm not promising he'll give you the bread. <laughs> I'm saying your, your perspective and your agenda has aligned with his, that his name would be honored, his character would, would be advanced through his purposes. Hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, no matter if we're coming to you today out of trial, out of fear, out of circumstance, no matter whether we're driven to you right now in this moment or whether we have been apathetic and we haven't approached you lately, I pray right now the prayer on each one of our hearts. Whether we walked in here as a Christian or not, Today, right now, people are knowing you, acknowledging you, esteeming you as holy. That Holy Spirit, you are enabling their heart. You're enlightening and opening up the eyes of each and every single one who is in this room. Open up the eyes of our heart that we might see you, that we might honor you as holy. Hallowed be your name. And God, I pray that as a church, as individuals and collectively, we might bring you honor by how we demonstrate your holiness in our lives. Enable us to do so, Jesus. We cannot do this on our own, but you have poured the spirit of your son into us that we might actually live in the steps of Jesus. So God, hallowed be your name through and in this church and all who are gathered here. In your name we pray. Amen.